Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning. Long walk Tyson Jacks. I'm Tim Howe. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 10. NASA Futures up 84. We tried this yesterday. We were up 35. And we came up with some good news on a couple of uh, consumer confidence and something else. Mm. And then all of a sudden we uh, in the crap hole. Ah. And we finished up like 70 points when we were in at the show. So it was supposed to be a bounce back yesterday. It was not. Um, do we have Mr. Kevin? We do indeed. Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm holding you responsible. You didn't say nice enough things about the economy yesterday, and the whole world reacted to it. Well, I think, I think you sold, what, 10 spoo? They don't. They actually don't trade big spoos anymore. They just trade the minis. Would you just sell a hundred any minis right at the beginning of the show? And then uh, oh no, my nickname is Big Spoo. So uh, Big Spoo. <laughs> there, there you go. That's a good one. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I'm out unless you're doing the big stuff. Oh God. The uh, we, we could always always go with Mr. Big Sp- Big Stuff too. That would be a good name. And they made a whole song about me. Mm. Yeah. Oh boy, who did that one? That's, you, you, you probably could remember that. Oh one. my goodness, who did Mr. Big Stuff? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It was, uh, Gloria something. something. Let me check. Ma- that's, a, that's a mad question. I She's, got it. These are all. Was it Gloria Gaynor? Jean Knight by Jean Knight. I think she had a group. Close enough. Yeah. Jean <laughs> Knight, Gloria Gaynor. What's the difference? <laughs> God. Um, so anyway, we, yeah, we had a big turnaround yesterday, and then it looked like at one point we were down like 55 or 60. I'm talking about the S&Ps, which would have been, you know, almost 100 points off the, the morning high, and uh, then we kind of limped back to, up to being down like 40. This morning or last night we were down, we were up 25 or so, and now we're only up 9. So I don't, who knows if this is going to hang in there. We've got uh, these, one, one of the, these meme stocks, Kevin. I wish I really understood these things. I guess I could have made some money on them rather than avoiding them. We did have some clients that, uh, unfortunately, uh, <coughs> participated in some of these. Good for a while, bad for a while, good for a while, and not so good for a while. Uh, BBBY uh, is now down. Well, it's down two bucks to ten ten. So what's what's the the little history on this? I, don't, I can't remember the guy's name. The stack. Everybody knows who these guys are. It's Bed Bath and Beyond. They sell towels for God's sake and uh and other stuff. I'm not demeaning them. They, it's a good store, and uh they uh. All of a sudden, out of the blue, there's you know there's a website where everybody decides they're all going to charge you for this stuff. And I think it has some of it has to do with people maybe being a short interest in there, so they try and jam the shorts where the sun don't shine. All of a sudden, the thing runs up, and it I think it traded twenty five or something. Somebody who was a uh, uh, one of these guys who was buying a bunch of shares trying to change the board around. I think he 
he he filed the reserva- you know the re- the uh, forms and everything, and he, he puked his out at I'm going to say 19 or 20 somewhere in there, and now who knows where he bought it? Probably 10. And all of a sudden it's back down to 10, and now they're going to go out and try and get some more shares. Now, my question is, did he know about that two weeks ago? I don't this whole thing it's it's so suspicious, Kevin, and and I think our, our regulators have no idea what they're doing and, and something like this, and they don't know where to where to look, who to look for. I, you know, I don't. Somehow or another, the regulation is now harassment of the of the law abiding, and and we don't know what to do with the other guys. It's it's really it's turned into that it seems to me, but that could be a very narrow and grumpy approach. So I don't know. I don't know if other industries are feeling the same way, but the uh, I I certainly am. I mean, in, in our industry, I mean, when you see stuff, I still can't get over to one two weeks ago about the uh, the SEC or somebody finally sent letters out to five crypto firms that were representing to people that they were they were covered by FDIC which isn't even SIPC which if you come to PTI every brokerage firm you're covered by SIPC which is a Securities Investors Protection Corp but in a bank it's Federal Deposit Insurance Corp we should know that when you go to your bank and if it's a savings loan it's FLIC right? Uh, FSLIC yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so so and I'm sitting there reading, well, God, these guys must have been kind of sneaky in their advertisement. All of a sudden, one of them is FDIC Crypto, is, is the is the web, web address. How long did it take our guys to figure that one out, Kevin? <laughs> it's right there. It's like, it's like blinking on the express. Well, the, the, the question is, why, why hasn't there been a uh, cease and desist order issued to them? Like day one. Because, yeah. because while the name is... Uh, you know, technically, uh, doesn't indicate it, uh, doesn't guarantee, or uh, you know, or, or doesn't make any promises. Um, it certainly is a deceptive practice. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, are, are we? It, to, you know, to me, that that is illegally deceptive. Sure, it is. And I, you know, I don't, know, I don't know how long they've been in business, but uh, you know, if it, if it was two weeks, it's too late. In my opinion, I mean, if, if you're going to be regulate, regulate, regulate stuff that, 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 that what's worth something. Anyway, what uh, are sacks toast? Well, I told you that last Friday. Well, now, now they're really toast. I mean, no. Well, after, after they uh, after the after they lost Thursday night, and the way they lost Thursday night, um, and and for those who don't recall, they had a one run lead in the ninth inning, two outs, and uh, and the. Uh, um, their closer on the mound, who had converted like you know, I don't know, nineteen or twenty straight save opportunities, and uh, and somebody hit a pop, uh, you know, basically a, a pop fly fly down the left field line, a little bit in the foul territory, and uh, the left fielder dropped the ball, which kept the at bat alive, and naturally the guy hit a home run to tie the game, and then they lost in extra innings, and that was when I said. They're over. It's over. They're, they won't recover from this, and they have not won a game since then. They, and, and they're not playing winning uh, teams with winning records. They played the you know got swept by the Diamondbacks over the weekend. And uh, Diamondbacks are pretty bad, right? Well, Kansas City. I don't think anybody wants to play right now, but but Diamondbacks are pretty bad. Yeah. Well, Kansas City. They, I don't think anybody wants to play them, but for this the small issue that uh, they are. Uh, with a bunch of people that they brought up from the minors uh, playing against the team that was allegedly going to win its division. Yeah. 
Well, alleged. So I, I still don't think that there's an excuse there that they, the, the Royals may be scrappy and uh, and uh, have some young talent and they may be able to run and all those kinds of things. But these guys are not polished major leaguers, and the White Sox have a veteran starting staff um, that you know that guys like Lucas Giolito should not be getting roughed up by the Royals lineup, but he did. Um, I'm going to say that uh, at the end of the day. After that Houston series, after he played twice against, he pitched twice against Houston, you find out that he's tipping something. The guy's too good to get mashed. What, what Houston like seven runs in the in the first two, in the first inning of two games they played against the guy. I mean, I mean you, you could put you or me out there, and it's hard for those guys. I mean, the guys that they bring in from the outfield to pitch in the last inning don't give up seven runs. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, was there truth to the rumor that? Uh, Larusa was told on doctor's orders to not manage last night or something. That's what I heard in the uh, one of the local. Uh, oh, did he not manage last night? I didn't. I, I I I can't tell you I paid that close yeah, attention either. to see what was going on. I just kept tabs on the game. And uh, I watched the Cubs and they weren't any better. Well, I kept going from station to station trying to find a decent game. <laughs> I was having trouble. Well, the, the Cubs have a script now. Their 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 starting pitchers actually do pretty well, and they get them the five or six innings. Um, but they just they have no. Um, you know, no bullpen. I mean, the, the, the one left-handed guy whose name is escaping me, I think, uh, that they brought up in the minors looks pretty good. And some of these guys can throw, but they're not major league ready, and the Cubs know it. They're just giving them a taste at this point and seeing what they do. Well, the kid last night who gave up the home run, he's like their number one relief prospect, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, but the, and, and the Cubs, they, they have guys on their team that, you know, that were not major league ready and have been playing all, all year. Um, you know, Christopher Morrell, you know, really, you know, under normal, on a, on a normal progression, wouldn't have been in the majors this year or might have been a late season call up. But um, he, and he's kind of kept his head above water. He's been able to tread water, but he's not, he's not consistently outstanding. And so that's one example. Um, uh, uh, what's the Velasquez, the outfielder? Same thing. He's, you know, he, he is, you know, he's very, very talented, but, uh, but, really needed more, you know, or not, I don't know if he even needed it, you know, it, it goes case by case. Some guys, um, you know, you bring them up too early and you kind of ruin them, and other guys just, they come up and they learn, and uh, and, the, and they're better for the experience over the long haul. I think that's, you know, that's what the Cubs are trying to balance now, is to, you know, try not to get their guys' uh, brains beat in too badly, to give them at least a taste of what the major leagues is about, so that they know what they have to do. Uh, to, to be really ready to uh, come up and stay. Well, for those that uh, are, are fortunately younger, Kevin, we probably should get a little bit of history on some of this stuff. There, you talk about the fifties and sixties when you know it was the golden age of baseball or not. Who the hell knows? But uh, I mean, a minor league—you only had sixteen teams, right? So it was to break into baseball was a real big deal, and I mean, it was, well, nothing like hockey. There were hockey had six teams and. But they had like four rookies a year or six rookies a year league wide or ten or something. Um, but it was, uh, I mean, several things that you're probably never going to see <clears throat> in this world. I'll guarantee you, one of them is a 20 game winner in the minors. They used to actually have 20 game winners in Triple A. That was kind of how hard it was to break into the ma- a major league rotation. Remember one year I was reading about some guy. He was a right right fielder, and he hit 320 or something in Triple A. He wasn't even invited to like the Brooklyn Dodgers or the Yankees spring training or something, Kevin. 
The next year he hits like 325 or 330 and hits more home runs than he he just came up as the right fielder. <laughs> there was okay, you're ready. <laughs> it was one of those deals, and uh, uh, but you don't, you don't really see that anymore. If you sh- most of your your competitive stuff is what at A and Double A and then Triple A is just kind of season some people up on your way to the on your way to the majors. I mean, if, if you if you won five games in Triple A, you're probably in the pro or in the majors, right? Yeah, the um, the real prospects don't spend a lot of time in Triple A. Um, you know, that, that's like a last stop. Triple A is really a place where they they tend to stash the um, what you'd call the 4A players, the ones that are not quite good enough for the majors, but you might need them on your roster for a little while. So you shuttle you shuttle people up and down from your AAA team. Um, whereas Double A is where they're really getting some development. The uh, I think on, on on Thursday, maybe we'll talk a little bit about today. This antitrust case with the uh, minor leaguers is. Uh, is very interesting. Just, yeah, I didn't I, get a chance to read that. What's uh, what's the story on that? Well, the, the minor leaguers are, are trying to, to prime the pump here a little well, bit. The, for those that, that uh, and I'll this, I will explain this today, or I'll read it from uh, Wikipedia because it's pretty fascinating. Uh, baseball has actually an antitrust exemption from the Supreme Court based on a case in like 1922 or something, um, which we'll go into in a second. But I mean, if you, if you walk down the street um, and, and say to somebody, "Hey," <laughs> Is there free agency in baseball? The answer is yes. Out of ninety-nine percent of the people, are going to say, "Yeah." Like, what's the problem? Well, I think there, there's something after five years in the minor leagues where you can. There's some way you can do something there. Matt, Matt Weber knows about it, but the fact is, when you're signed by a team, you're drafted and signed. You you have no real free. What do you have to be? Five years in the majors before you can. Before you can be a free agent, out of all the people signed in baseball, well, I, I think it's six, but maybe uh, maybe the most recent collective bargaining agreement shrunk it. Well, it's five or six. So I'm going to say that out of all the people signed by Major League Baseball, and mind you, there's a what's there 32 teams, and they, and they have a 30 round draft. So we're talking what a, almost a thousand people a year get signed. Well, some of them go to college. So let's cut it down and say 750, 700 a year. Pile into major leagues, and what percentage of those do you think make it to five or six years where they're eligible for to, to be a free agent, Kevin? Maybe one percent. Yeah, it's it's a very tiny number. It's a real it's a real tiny number. It's, so, but everybody else is locked in with their team. So even even football, NFL is as crazy as it is. It used to have would they have sixteen rounds in the draft way back in the day, Kevin? Or something they they finally dropped it down to. What there's like six or seven, where if you're beyond that, if you're not, now whether it should be seven or six or five or maybe, maybe there should be none, whatever. But of course, if people want to see it on TV, they don't really care what does the people's rights. But that's another story. Um, so if you're on the end of the sixth or seventh round, you're really better off not getting drafted. And when, in, in my, my opinion, I mean Pete Najarian used to tell me this all the time because Pete was a, a linebacker from University of Minnesota, and uh, he was kind of an unusual guy for a linebacker. He was almost like a, a Brian Urlacher, but not as big. I mean, I mean, Pete was a high hurdler in high school or a hurdler in high school and very fast. And when he was really, really working out, he might have been he might have been 230, maybe, maybe, because uh, he's probably 6'1", but real fast and could cover pretty much tight end, maybe, maybe even a back out of the backfield for a certain amount. So... If Pete could have found a team 
when it would play to three four, what is it the is it the inside guy on the weak side is the one who takes the people out of the backfield or something? In other words, if he would have found his spot, same same thing probably with John. If he would have found a team with his spot where he was good at, he probably could have had a pro career. Well, Pete did. Well, Pete ended up knocking around for five years, a bunch of different teams, and actually got a pension. But the idea of, I mean, if Pete would have got drafted by the Bears, who had a, a 4-3 set with a history of, this is before Erlacher, but the history of a middle linebacker being some big monster that could take on an offensive lineman and everything else, guys like Bill George and Butkus and people like that, he, he was a fish out of water. There's no, no way on earth that Pete, or John for that matter, were big enough to take on a guard every play. Erlacher didn't want any part of it either, right? He was more of a... Because he, he used his speed and was they they went to more of a a four three but somebody in the slot to, to occupy the center or the guy anyway the story is you could get drafted out of Notre Dame or Illinois or any damn place out of high school and if you're a shortstop and you get drafted by a team with like nine shortstops unless you're Ozzy Smith you're pretty much screwed right Kevin you don't even get any playing time much to let me know, know how you're doing so you can't just sit there and say wow it doesn't look like the Rockies have any shortstops that are worth a crap in their, in their minor league system. Why don't I go there? I mean, some of the time you get traded around because if a team sees that you are pretty good and just doesn't have a future for you, they might send you somewhere else. But it's all on them. It's not on you. So in my, in my opinion, it always has been, that pretty much sucks, Kevin. I mean, you know, I don't know what the solution would be. I think a solution might be, you know, five rounds or something if, if, you, if you have any draft at all. But I don't know. Where do you come out on all this? Well, I, I don't know what the solution is either. I, I will say this um, with the NFL. You're right. It's nice to be able to pick your situation if you're, um, you're going to be one of those guys who is, um, you know, uh, who will be on the bubble for getting cut. Um, you want to pick your situation for a team that would really needs whatever your skill set is, although typically that skill set for the final cut uh, has to do with special teams. Uh, but you know, it could be it could be a team that just you know is has no depth at offensive line, for example. So if you're an offensive, if you're a Sam Mustafer, wasn't he an undrafted free agent? Yeah, oh yeah. You know, um, and and he was on a couple of teams before he was on the Bears. But when he got to the Bears, he actually because they had no depth, uh, got a chance to start. At, you know, after one injury. So uh, you know that was a, that was a good example for uh, of a guy getting into the right situation. I, I think the NFL has done a lot of solving it um, by uh, um, by having the practice squad and then um, and then allowing teams to sign players off of other teams' practice squads. Right, the NFL's done a way yeah. better job. So, so that that's a way that you keep some of those guys who you may kind of like. Uh, there really isn't a spot for them on my team, but I can keep them on the practice squad. If an opportunity arises, I bring them up to my team. But if an uh, opportunity arises uh, on another team, then we say good for you and uh, thanks for playing. Yeah, the attitude, the attitude. Uh, <clears throat> as much as I can give grief to owners, the attitude seems really pretty good about that, Kevin. It's almost like you know you could call the Bears and like what if they you know <clears throat> sign another center and say is this Mustafer guy any good? And the, guy, the Bear guy is going to say, yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> By the way, he started for us. He's not all pro, but he's not bad. You'd love him. And I think I think there is that communication in the NFL. I mean, among the coaches, uh, I, and, and I think especially among coaches, I have I don't have a feeling for you know general managers and how they interact. Uh, but coaches, they've all crossed paths. You know, there's there's so much 
so many uh, opportunities for, or, 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 let's put it this way, so so much, uh, uh, so many of the coaches have worked with each other that they they're not going to screw each uh, each other on evaluations. There and 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 I think you know most coaches do generally like players. I mean, they, you know, it's it's pretty hard to get into that business if you if you don't like the people you're coaching. Um, you know, it's just like if you're in management. If you don't, if you just don't like the people you're managing, well, that's that's going to be a problem for you. And I, I think it would be the same thing for coaches. They want players to succeed, and and I think they take that responsibility seriously. So, um, you know, it, I, I think that's that's a part of the equation too. And I suspect that in baseball, there's a certain amount of that too. Um, well, we would hope so. Hey, but so I dug in, and maybe when. Louis Enterprise knows more about this than either one of us, but I, I'm absolutely stunned. I, I always thought, well, you know, I think people, I hope, hopefully people that listen to the show find out stuff that they never heard before. They'll tell you what, me doing the show, I sure as hell do, Kevin. <laughs> Between the stuff you guys send me or wherever, I, I always thought, again, smack me upside the head, I always thought that, that the baseball antitrust exemption was from Congress. And it turns out, no, it's not. Um, it is from the Supreme Court, and I'll tell you what, this is the most convoluted logic I have ever, I'm going to, uh, I got, well, give me a couple minutes, I'll read this. This is from Wikipedia. The background is, there was a nation, the National League and the American League, only, they finally combined in what, like 1990 or something? Is, is They were actually independent. 1890. No. Oh, 1990. Something like it, but they, were, they were considered two separate, something under this umbrella, anyway. But there was okay, a third. I believe it. There was a third league called the Federal League, uh, and it folded in 1915. Right, so this is a background. After the Federal League folded in 1915, most of the Federal League owners had been bought out by owners in the other major leagues, being the American and National, or had been compensated in other ways. For example, the owner of the St. Louis Terriers, now there's a name, of the Federal League had been permitted to buy the St. Louis Browns of the American League. Uh, I don't know, who did they become? They become uh, Boston, anyway, whoever they were. The owner of the Baltimore Terrapins had not been compensated and sued the National League, the American the American League. They're separate, and other defendants, including several Federal League officials, for conspiring to monopolize baseball by destroying the Federal League. In other words, they must they must have got paid off. In 1919, the defendants were found jointly liable and damages of 80 grand assessed, which was tripled to 240 under the provisions of the. Of the Clayton Antitrust Act, if you don't know, you're, you're, it's treble damages for anything in the in the Clayton Act. Now this thing goes to the so they, they lose in the fir- in the first court. The Court of the Appeals reversed the trial verdict and held that baseball is not subject to the Sherman Act. Okay, the pace, c- case was appealed to the Supreme Court. Everybody's sitting there going, okay, why, ex- why exactly would baseball be? If you read the Sherman Act, which I was doing last night, it actually it it it, pre- it prevents Monopolies of any kind, any combinations of trade in interstate commerce. So, in theory, if there's no state antitrust act, you and I could could buy the, the hot dog stand next door to us in Danville, Illinois, and, and immediately raise all the prices. And it's not considered a violation of the Sherman Act because it's not in interstate commerce. So, the Supreme Court, in a unanimous decision written by a uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes, who of course he's supposed to be one of the best guys ever. I don't want to read the whole decision, but basically says that the that the, the games are played in, in the individual states, 
And the fact that you've got to travel from one state to the other to play the game is all just incidental. So it's not, it does, it's not covered under the Sherman or Clayton or Federal Trade Act. Can we, can, 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 can kind a, of a uh, leap of logic, isn't it? It's a massive leap, leap of logic. The, uh, I, I, I can't even believe that that was, uh, um, that, that they, that they were, uh, that they would come down with that. They said it's, it's an intrastate game. And the fact that you might be on, like, national TV or anything like that, or the Cubs flying to Cleveland for the game or the Sox, that has nothing to do the game. The game itself is in Cleveland, so they're not liable for antitrust. I, 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 That's very interesting. That is I very. Know, I had no idea that that was, uh, that was the background on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, I can't even imagine that logic. That if you use that logic for a lot of other businesses, you could say, well, that factory's in in Illinois. They can charge whatever they want. Oh, by the way, they bought a place in Iowa. The fact that people go back and forth, what's the difference? I mean, I, I can't. Even, I can't even go there. SP futures up eleven. As if you're seventy two. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chiefs favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com. Jocks. Jocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right 
Low and big stacks and jacks. I'm Tom Howie's Matt Burn on the board. Market's trying to make a bounce back here. SP futures are up uh, 750. NASDAQ futures up 69. Dell futures are up like 50. Uh, individual stacks. We got some red and some uh, Goldman Sachs up buck buck 76. And Microsoft up a buck 37. It's taking a little bit of a hit uh, in the last week or so. Apple's taking a hit too. Apple is actually under uh, uh, 160, 159.55, trying to make it back today. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 30.2%, FTSE down 74. It's a full 1%. Uh, CAC around down 39.6%. The uh, big news is the uh, the pipeline is again being shut down for supposed maintenance, and uh, which was scheduled. The pipeline, the major one that goes under the Baltic Sea, and the Russians, of course, are saying all this maintenance is is needed because of the embargoes. They can't get all the parts for the the machinery parts on their end, and that's why the thing is taking more maintenance. And you know, maybe some of that's true. I don't know, but fact is, Europe is getting is convinced that things will be shut off this summer or this winter. Nikkei down 104.4%, Shanghai down 25.8%. Hang Seng actually up 5 points, but still, 19.954, can't get over 20,000. As a way of review, even though yesterday morning the S&Ps were up 35 when we were doing the show, they ended up down 44. Dow Jones down 308, uh, 31,790. Um, S&P got over 4,100, now it's 3,986. NASDAQ down 134 to 11,883, so... It's been a bad few days. Uh, bonds up three thirty up three basis points. Uh, three point one four is a ten year rate. The Bund up four to one point five five. Japan unchanged at point two two. We've got oil down two fifty eighty nine uh, fourteen. So one hundred ninety bucks a barrel. Brent down three thirty one. That's three percent ninety six dollars. Natural gas down five cents eight ninety nine under nine dollars by a hair. Our Bob down nine cents two sixty. So we should be getting gas prices down rep- relatively rapidly. Gold down 1150, 1724. Everything's down here in the commodity area. Silver down 41 cents, 1787, 118 bucks. It's been hasn't been down there for a while. Copper down seven cents, 347. We've got Bitcoin up uh, 327 to 20,288. Again, it's a closely watched uh, number at 20,000. And we have the U.S. dollar is uh, we're 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 back well, we're back under a buck. We're point nine 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 four. Uh, so we're hanging right around one dollar parity with the euro, which again is pretty is pretty high for the dollar, pretty low for the euro. And the pound is down to one sixteen, uh, which is again really low. If the pound gets down to parity, that'll really be something. Wow. Uh, what do you got for us, uh, Matt? Traffic weather sports. Hey, good morning. Currently six thirty six a.m. on Wednesday, August thirty first, twenty twenty two, last day of August here. Uh, MLB yesterday, uh, Cubs at Blue Jays lose five to three. Uh, White Sox home with Kansas City Royals. Royals win 9-7. Diamondbacks win big against Phillies 12-3. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently clear sky, 61 degrees, a high of 87 and a low of 61. In Phoenix, mostly clear, 92 degrees, a high of 111 and a low of 87. Now for traffic in Chicago. Traffic eastbound on Eisenhower between Wolf Road to Harlem Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Armitage Avenue to downtown. That's caused by an earlier accident involving three vehicles before Armitage before, uh, although now it is mostly cleared up. Uh, Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between West Garfield Boulevard to the Jane Burn Interchange downtown. And finally, traffic northbound on Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 to South Kedzie Avenue. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The, uh, Kevin, the, uh, 
Let me take a second and read this. This this is absolutely speak. Hey, before you get to what, while you're doing that, uh, you know, let's uh, mention to Matt. You know, we need some uh, Van Morrison bumper music here today. It's some Van Morrison. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it his birthday? Seventy-seven years old. Wow. I love Van Morrison. Moon dance. I have that on, on, on cassette. The whole you thing. You can do moon dance, but uh, you don't know, give me bright side of the road anytime. All right, you got it. The uh, the clubs are composing the leagues in different cities and for the most part in different states. This is the Supreme Court opinion. The end of the elaborate organizations and sub-organizations that are described in the pleadings that evidence in these clubs shall play against one another in public exhibitions for money, one or the other club crossing a state line in order to make the meeting possible. When as a result of these contacts, one club has won the pennant of its league and another club has won the pennant of the other league, there is a final competition for the world's championship between these two. Duh. Of course, the scheme requires constantly repeated traveling on the part of the clubs which is provided for, controlled, and disciplined by the organizations. And this, it is said, means commerce among the states. This is what the lower court ruled. We are of the opinion the Court of Appeals was right. The business is giving exhibitions of baseball, which are purely state affairs. It is true that in order to attain these exhibitions, the great popularity that they have achieved, competitions must be arranged between clubs from different cities and states. But the fact that in order to give these exhibitions, the league must, get a load of this, the leagues must induce free persons not employees, free persons to cross state lines and must arrange and pay for their doing so is not enough to change the character of the business. Do you believe this crap? <laughs> this is, this is uh, the transport is mer- merely incidental, not the essential thing. That to which is incident, the exhibition, although made for money, would not be called trade of commerce in the commonly accepted use of these words. As is put by the defendant, personal effort not related to, product- to production is not a subject of commerce. So going up and hitting or pitching is not tradable, therefore it's not a subject of commerce? Where, where are these guys from? They must, like the, must have liked Major League Baseball. That which is its consummation... Well, what, they, what it seems like they're trying to do is draw a distinction between uh, a sport and a business. Yeah. And there is no distinction anymore. No. You know, maybe, maybe they could feel that way once upon a time, but the idea that, that notion is that ship sailed a long time ago. Uh, that which is in its consummation is not commerce, does not become commerce among the states because the transportation that we have mentioned takes place. Wow. Cool. And let me ask, let me ask Matt. Now I'm going to try and figure out how to make that work for me. Yeah, now I'm going to ask Matt, how many fat guys can dance on the head of a pin? Oof. I'll give you a salad. Uh, one on a good day. One on a good day? I mean, yeah. you... <laughs> I, I, someday I want. Wait till I wait till I give Lou crap about this on Friday, because yeah. he's our next lawyer. I would have given Brennan crap yesterday if I would have read this before that. Yeah. This is this is Oliver Wendell Holmes, one of the most distinguished justice justices we've ever had. For God's sake, and he put together his BS. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't. Anyway, just the way the world is, Kevin. A A. So, um, you're my expert on. Uh, Current labor situations. Uh, have you ever seen? I mean, I, I'm not, well, not going to lead the witness. We seem to have massive amounts of people being hired, according to these numbers last month from the from the Fed, uh, not the Federal Reserve, but the federal government. There's pockets of layoffs seemingly everywhere. There's people in some areas, like where my my nephew's in the machinery machinery business, uh, that are that are. Uh, Seriously busy and can't find the right people. People don't have the training. I suspect you guys are very busy in those areas. The machinery show here 
it's coming to Chicago in a few weeks, and it's supposed to be, you know, like oversubscribed. Uh, as people need to buy more st- new stuff. Uh, have you ever seen kind of a mess like this? And I, is it just time that's going to get us out of it, or is it we have to use our heads well, to? It, no, it's uh, because uh, you know I, uh, I I just heard Kenny on television this uh, this morning talking about it, and um, it, you know it, it's it, it it's going to take a long time, I guess. Um, but you know his belief is that the Fed's probably targeting getting us back to three percent inflation. Well, imagine the pain that's going to go with that. Um. Yeah. So it's it's not just going to you know easily work itself out. Um, it, it, you know we're we're gonna we're gonna see more, and and sort of the the issue was you know we everybody was really happy with the number in last uh, last month's labor report, but upon you know a little further examination, you'll find that there's a whole lot of part time in there. Yeah. Um, and that you know and and so. You know what's what's the problem with that? Well, is it people who are saying finally saying we're staying out of the workforce, saying, well, I can't stay out anymore. I have to get something, whether they're getting uh, Social Security, whether they're getting um, oh, uh, uh, you know, some some kind of uh, disability aid or you know whatever uh, whatever the benefit is that was keeping them afloat when they were out of the uh, workforce. They're now saying, I, I, you know, that's not enough anymore. Uh, so you're you're seeing that, but you, you're probably also seeing a lot of people uh, taking second jobs uh, uh, part time, and uh, you know the, the people who've been industrious all along, well, they've they've all gotten hurt, um, and now uh, you know they're they're trying to avoid getting hurt by taking second jobs. Now this is speculative. I don't I don't have the data to support it, the information to support it, but I don't see anybody in media asking those questions or doing the further research to find out what's going on. All I know is that the part-time jobs number is is really big, was really a big part of those jobs created. So, uh, you know, so you know what's really going on? I'm not sure, but I don't think, I, I just have no sense that we're healthy here. Um, you, know, uh, you know, we like to say, well, yeah, we don't like the inflation rate, but, you know, it, at least... Um, you know, at least there's a lot of good indicators in the economy. I'm not sure they're that good. Kevin, there's a an old grumpy guy that has a lot of really good guests and a lot of really good listeners that does his show, Stocks and Jacks, 10 years ago said, you cannot let this happen because the damage you cause, after seeing it firsthand and being that guy in a, in a big business at Pullman back in my day and being in class with Milton Friedman, you cannot let it happen because the the, the runoff is so horrible to so many people, and we've let it happen. In a lot of ways, it's way worse than the 70s. And we, we let it happen, and now there's no easy way out. There really isn't. And I don't know how the hell you... I mean, every, every number you see, you, the first thing that pops into my head is it's, it's bullshit. I mean, the idea yesterday was the new number was there's what 11 million job openings and only 5 million unemployed and god bless we should be in the greatest spot in the world i don't know if you heard my story the other day about the the guy who works at the food store that i see every sunday morning at eight seven o'clock and his big fiasco with the the job downtown i tell you this no, oh yeah yeah i mean the long the, the cliff notes version is the dude's an older guy uh he's, he's on social security so i'm saying he's probably 65 
Uh, maybe he's maybe he's got it at sixty four. I don't know, but he's he's in that range. He used to work for hotel and not not a big job, but somewhere in the inventory ordering stuff or whatever because he knows what you know makes a hotel run. Whether he ordered the toilet paper and the soap, who the hell knows? But he somewhere in the in the in the in the bowels of the of the place he had his job, and of course the place shut down and we got laid off. So he's he's working at one of the food stores, the cashier, nice guy, and he. Uh, and he had this job all lined up like three weeks ago. And finally I said to him, hey, well, what are you still doing here? He goes, well, I made a mistake of uh, letting they do them do the, like the negotiations for me or something like that. So he goes down to this hotel downtown. It's in the north. So he'd have to take the Rock Island from Tinley. Then either take a bus or walk a long way or whatever to the place. And there's a job there that he found off my buddy is right up his alley. Nothing crazy. He's not trying to become VP at his age or anything. And they had this job. So he interviews with somebody twice. They like him. He's all set to go. He gets a call from somebody higher up the chain, some lady, and says, well, here's what we'll pay you, like 18 bucks an hour. <laughs> and I looked at him, I go, I'm not going to ask what you're getting paid here, but I'm guessing it's 15 to 17. 15, 16, 17, yeah, somewhere. I said, yeah. I said, he goes, you're spot on. And he says, for, for an extra, like, dollar and a half an hour, I now got a Buy a train ticket, take an hour train ride, either take a bus or walk if it's nice weather um, over to this place to make like 50 cents more. I mean, I guess now it's still an open job because he told him to pound sand. But it, but it wasn't like the dude was looking for 40. I think 21 would have had him, <laughs> you know, type of thing, because he wanted something different. Yeah, because he wanted, he's a professional who yeah. wants to, uh, um, you know, to perform at his craft. Yeah. So, he, um, I, I, so I, you know, you, you get that. But on the other hand, I suppose you can stay working at the store. It's not that hard. Um, you, you know, you got to put up with the public. We've got to put up with the likes of you. Oh, yeah. Um, but aside from that, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, it's not a hard job. And so not only are you asking me, uh, you know, offering me a, a, a bad financial deal, but on top of it, you're you're going to add on a little bit of task stress that goes with the job. You know, thanks for nothing. Yeah. Your favorite, one of your favorite expressions, thanks for nothing. And you know where I got that, don't you? Yeah. Caddyshack. Yep. Thanks for nothing. you got to give the Irish accent. Yeah, I don't, I don't do Irish I can't do an Irish accent. I'm not so sure I can either, but I, but I try. Anyway, so I mean, you, you can't even, you look at these numbers, I, I, my, first, my first thought is, Kevin, I, I don't know what they mean. You know, I mean, I don't know if they're are there, are there are half the jobs out there just trolling around for the for the schmuck who's been uh, you know had his earphones on with a video game for two years and don't don't know what the new salaries are. And somebody might actually walk in and be a busboy for ten bucks an hour instead of twelve or fifteen where it's gotten to. And maybe that's I've seen places that Kevin they, they, they there, there's never not a help wanted sign in the door. Now are they just trolling for somebody or what are they doing? Well, I I. I definitely talk to a lot of business owners um, who are paying competitive wages and still are having problems attracting uh, uh, attracting people. I mean, consider that I mean, there's so many things going on that, uh, that uh, adjustments that businesses have made. One of the big ones was uh, so many were doing drug screening. Yeah. They stopped doing it because nobody passes the test and they need the people. Well, yeah, that's a problem. I, I know in this conversation when he was mayor um, uh acquaintance of mine up at the club he used to belong to and I still do because there's nobody else in there because it's a traders club uh, but he 
you know, he, he, he says to me, when they signed some contract to do CTA work with the Chinese, it was a long time ago. And he said, well, how come, uh, like, Pullman's not around anymore? And I said, Mayor, because of people like you. <laughs> he says to me, what are you talking about? I said, look, look what you do. Look how you, look how you order railroad cars. You haven't ordered them in 15 years. Now you want like a thousand of them in, in five years, three years. I said, you should be, I said, he goes, well, how should I do it? I said, it's very simple. You got a thousand cars. You got 2,000 cars, let's say. They, they all last, they last 22 years or so, and you need a major overhaul after 11 years because they're stainless steel. And he looks at me like, you know something about this, don't you? And I go, I, I used to work for Pullman. He goes, all right. I said, you, you need five cars a month or six cars a month because they come in permanently married pairs, CTA cars. You can't break two of them apart, Kevin. I don't know if you knew that or not. They're permanently married yep. pairs. Uh, so, I, you know, I said, you should, you should be getting however many of you. Well, just do the, do the math. If you got 2,000 cars and it's 20 years, you should be getting 100 cars a year, right? And every 20 yep. years, or every, you know, maybe 22 years, 25 years, because they are stainless steel. Whatever it is, and at the end of the time, you know, right, if, if all of a sudden there's a new, uh, you change something on them, you can roll them right through the shop, re- redo them, or send them back out. I said, that's the way this thing should be done. And he, and he, <laughs> he looked at me like I got three heads. I said, it, it's just like you got, you're going to shut down the green line or whatever. I said, you got, you got 50,000, you know, foundation things for the elevated structure in the city. They last 100 years. Well, what's 50,000 divided by 100? You need, to, you need to do 500 a year. Start at one end. 100 years from now, I'll go back to that end and start again. I mean, it, that's, it, this was a total foreign concept. And, and he's a real bright guy. It's just not his field. He said, well, what, what does it take to start something up? He goes, I said, Mayor, Pullman's closed. If you gave me the contract tomorrow and I threw out a, a, a sign somewhere in a paper or someplace, need 20 tool and die makers, 20 manufacturing engineers, and 10 railroad engineers, would you think I'd even get a call? They're gone. <laughs> I mean, it's like somebody, a nephew, telling me most everybody wants to buy machines or redo their machines. He goes, machine mechanics, they're all 65, they're retiring by the day. And maybe you get a guy to stay on a couple of years and train somebody if you're lucky. There, that, there's just no call for that, Kevin. There just isn't. There hasn't been for a while, and all of a sudden there is. It's not that we can't do it. We can, but it's going to take time, and somebody's got to train them. The, uh, you know, it's just like I was. There's always people that are, you know, kind okay, old naval buffs that are always saying we should get one of the battleships running again. Finally, somebody goes. Everybody who knows how to mo- work these things, where all these knobs are in, ever been in one? There's a million knobs on them are labeled. There isn't anybody alive that knows what they all do. I mean, you, you you lose this expertise. It's not like you can't get it back, but it's real hard to, I think. Oh, it's very hard to, and uh, yeah, and and where did the expertise go becomes the question. And of course, we, we you know we sort of know the answer here. The answer is, um, uh, it, it, went, it went where the jobs were. So it, you know you you may or may not have uh, uh, moved it overseas. Um, but you did, uh, at some point, uh, you know, have that talent go somewhere else and get into different fields. Well, I think a lot of it is the expertise, the expertise in what you want has atrophied, and uh, and they're off doing just you know some other kind of work now. Either that, or they're under headstones. Or yeah, or they've aged out. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of saying it. Better than under under headstones. Well, if but if somebody's seventy retired and healthy. They can be enticed back to teach people how to do stuff, right? 
you, you can't if you're croaked. <laughs> you, can't, you can't help. Just it, say it's, it. it's harder, yeah. It's, it's a little it harder. It requires a seance. A yeah. seance and training session combined. Um, you know what? We could try We could try that. You know, we could try You know, a little seance. Have you ever been to one of those? I haven't. It sounds like something Matt no, Byrne would have. Matt, have you ever been to a seance? Seance. You know, I've always wanted to. You know, it's, it's it's interesting. I have not been to one though. I know they um the one that you know in my childhood they would talk about uh, Houdini. Yeah. Uh, every Halloween uh, they always try to bring back Houdini through a seance, and I've, I've always wanted to be involved with that, but never never got the chance. Wasn't that how he spent the last few years of his life trying to connect with people in the other, in the afterworld, Kevin? He kind of messed himself up a little bit there. Yeah, I think so. I think I can't I, remember. You know, I'm, I, I my. My Houdini history is tied into the uh, Tony Curtis movie. You know, oh, I could yeah. be wrong, but I, I want to say he actually spent his life, uh, like his last years, uh, trying to prove it wrong ah. that it, w- it was not ha- actually happening. I'll, I'll search it up and get yeah, back he was to uh, he was quite the character. But all right, Kevin. So we have the market kind of doing this, and I, as you know, I'm real concerned about how the numbers you look at, you just can't even trust them because so much money's been jammed the system. Everything you do, you almost have to pause and do the subtraction okay well if we didn't pump the money in what's the number really you know it's like the, the mickey mantle baseball card that just traded for god knows what if the fed hadn't put 40 percent more money in the system where, what would the price of that card be today if the, the two and a half years ago didn't happen and i'm going to say it wouldn't be as high as it is and and you also have i mean it was uneven back in the 70s and who got the money, but nothing as uneven as now. I mean, for those that don't recall, every man, which would be, you know, my parents, uh, you know, had saved up some dough, uh, not a lot, but they were getting 12, 13, 14, 15% on their money in savings and loans and banks. So a saver never was really hurt by inflation, if they maybe a little bit, but not very much. Yeah. Now, the, the, I mean, the, rate, the rates, the borrowing rates, rates were high. But that includes the money that the uh, um, financial institutions were borrowing from consumers. Yeah. So now, I mean, I have you know we have a lot of clients um, looking for some fixed income stuff, and we are you know we obviously I, I take some of Dan's uh, Dan uh, Janitas' device on th- advice on Thursday, and we're finding a few bonds for people, uh, some of which that Dan has snuck out for us, but we've got people going into treasuries just because they're safe. I mean, we can get, what do we get? My brother went to auction for some people uh, last week, and they got six-month treasuries at 3.1 something something. Um, so we go right there. We don't have to pay a bid and offer spread. And, you know, it's, it's, a good, it's a good deal for people. Most firms won't do that for somebody. They'll just want to buy them for you, which you get a little less because you got to pay the spread. It's not like they're going to screw you. They're not. But, but, I mean, we actually go to the auction for people because it's a smaller firm, and we can do that. My brother's willing to do it. Uh, but, but by and large, Kevin, if, if inflation is 10% and you, you give your money to the government for at 3.1 at the end of the year, you're, you've lost 6.9% of value of your wealth. That, that didn't happen in the 70s. It's happening now, uh, by the day. Um, and, you know, anybody who thinks $100 in their pocket is worth the same today as it was three years ago, I'd say go to a store, go to the gas station, uh, go anywhere. Uh, it's it just not there. Now, how are we going to bring this back down? Is is the Fed going to attack the price level? Or are they just going to stop inflation, which I think, Kevin, and again, I, people don't believe that I'm saying this, the accelerator of the inflation has already been stopped because the money supply is pretty much flattened out here. The, the uh, balance sheet is pretty much flattened out here. 
so the accelerator uh, has has been turned off. So, but but the velocity is still there because the the, the prices have not worked their way through the system yet, and you also have a, a lag on the CPI number if they ever even do tell the truth. So there's almost like five variables now. There's like the accelerator is inflation increasing. I think the answer to that is no. Our uh, prices. The price level is very high. Is it likely to come down? The answer is no, because the Fed's not pulling money out of the system. So you have the now the problem, I believe, is the price level. Price level, by the end of the day, is going to be 35 40% higher than it was before COVID. And people's salaries, if you're lucky, are up 10%. And I, that, that dog doesn't hunt when it comes to That means all those people are technically in a recession, right? They're doing worse than last year. And I, I don't. I honestly don't know how you. Yeah, and and so you know that that that's going to be your real question is, okay, if we stop inflation, are we all going to pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, good, it's over, um, even though you know prices are twenty percent higher than they used to be, or thirty or forty or whatever the number is, because damn, it's huge. I know. I know when I go to the grocery yeah. store. Well, just by the way, I. I'm I'm really surprised. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I mean, everybody, more people on the right than on the left. Maybe because I hear more from the people on the right. All all they do is 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 rag about uh, the press and the TV and whether it's liberal this. Or the, I I I rag about it totally differently. The stuff that I just said. Why doesn't anybody ever say that, Kevin? It's it's it's, it's right in front of your face. You know, it's it's like it's like if I'm playing you know center field for the Sox and I used to be. 200 pounds and now I'm like 350 somewhere somebody has to say Jesus should this guy be playing center field he looks a little heavy I mean I, that, that is, that, it's right there you, every time you get in front of a mirror you see it or you put it on t- I mean this this is right there this, this price level is not going to go down because you stop the acceleration to the upside I mean, this is if you, if you know any kind of math any kind of physics this is not this is not rocket science is it or is it well, it's total rocket science no, you know, you don't, uh, Tom, the, the problem is you don't find many people who don't have an agenda. Certainly not people uh, in media. Um, and, and, and I don't mean this as necessarily the reporters. I'm talking about the guests who come on, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There aren't, you know, I mean, that's why I like it when I catch Kenny on TV, because he's, you know, he, he has no agenda. He's just going to tell you what he thinks. Um, but there aren't, there aren't that many people like that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't care if uh, you know if people you know are, are full of crap. Uh, if they have no, you know, as long as it's a, an uh, opinion, an honest opinion uh, that's not influenced by some kind of self-interest. Yeah, I would agree. I and then I'll listen and, and digest, and you know that we can consider. But it, it's just you know, so everybody's on there with an agenda. It doesn't. You know, you watch a channel. You know, what what are we really trying to do? Well, it's you know, it's a political discussion, even though it's a it's an apolitical it's a theoretically apolitical economic discussion. And I can't say apolitical economic discussion five times fast. No, it's well, it's well, we got a dash here. We have uh, Karen Karen Reeves coming back on. Uh, so that should be very interesting. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, you look at it, it's almost the business of of I watch CNBC all day. I used to watch because John was on there, but now he's not on there anymore. He hasn't been for a while. Uh, it's it's very obvious they want to be the go-to place for all the Federal Reserve people and all the all the chairman of all these companies. Well, you're not going to have people on there that are going to say, 
how what a horrible job they're doing right before they bring them on. It's just not going to happen because that, that's that's their shtick. Is is it's not really business news. It's 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 that's that that's where they've landed themselves. And I'm not so sure that that's not where the money is. And maybe I wouldn't do the same thing if I was running the station. But to think that it's quote news is not. I mean that's maybe that's maybe that's on us. I don't know. Anyway, SP futures up eleven. As if you, by the way, Irish. Uh, we'll talk more on Friday. Seventeen point dogs now against Ohio State. Yeah. Jeez, Ohio State that good, or do you think we're that lousy? Well, Notre Dame is consistently ranked in the top ten in the preseason polls, so there is enough opinion out there. I think preseason polls are stupid myself, but there's enough opinion out there that thinks they're pretty good. So, but Ohio State is generally in the top three, and they're playing in Columbus, so I'm sure those are the factors. I'm getting heat by my Columbus family members. Yikes. Yeah, we're going to kick uh, your guys. You know. Yeah, sorry about that. I was going to yeah, go for you. SP Peters up 11, Nancy Peters up 81. I'm Tom Howie's Matt Byrne on the board. We'll be back, Mr. Karen, Ms. Karen Reeves. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. What's happening?
something happening here. Hello, North Bay Station Jacks. Santa Mom, it's Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures up 1350. Nasdaq Futures up 86 as we're trying to make a run for the upside again today. Mm. Nowhere near as steep of a run as we tried yesterday. We're up 35. We finished up down 40. So that was a big ouchie. Let's hope we don't do that again today. Uh, one of the stocks that's making a big move now, it's on almost $3, is BBBY. That was one of these meme stocks that traded, I'm going to say, $25.50 a week ago, maybe today, is now $9.15. There's a story there. I don't know if we'll ever get it, but there's a story <laughs> there. Matt, do we have uh, Miss Karen? We do indeed. Karen, how are you? Hello there. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is a nice morning, actually. Have you been out? It's very nice. It's a <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I've not been out yet, but uh, uh, it, it seems it seems like it's cool. Yeah, so. it is a little, actually. Uh, yeah. It's supposed to get hotter later in the day. So, so how are you? you? You all rested up for the campaign and all that stuff? You, you over it? I am. I'm rested up. I think I think I finally got enough sleep. I uh, have been trying to be really still and um, you know being strategic about my next moves, but also just enjoying the rest of summer and hanging out with my kids. It's the first time in almost eighteen years that I have not been in hyperdrive working like a fiend. So oh. it's been it's been nice and peaceful. You'll you, you'll give it another few weeks, and then you then you we can't wait to get back. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I think, I think I want another few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's you were, uh, it, it's nonstop. I mean, I mean, obviously we, we, uh, well, saw you a couple times, but I don't. We saw, I saw you for sure out in Blue Island, and then uh, there was one down here where I was going to get there and couldn't at the last minute. But I mean, you were you were doing twelve hour days, fourteen, going all over the place. I mean, it was a that's a that's a great sixteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, very long days, and, you know, I'm also a single mom, and so it was making sure that my kids were taken care of and that I was sneaking in time with them, and uh, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was very, very intense, but let me be really clear. I loved it. I, uh, I really, hmm. really enjoyed it. I learned so much. I met so many phenomenal people. Uh, it was it was a great experience. I'm sad. You know, I was very disappointed. Um, in the outcome, not necessarily because I didn't win, but because I just felt like um, there were too many people in the pool, and it really, uh, I think, diluted the power. And, you know, we wound up putting someone in office who basically has the support of uh, arousing 2% of the entire population of the district, Mm. right? I just think, you know, the voter turnout was really poor, and um, so anyway, it, it all of that made me sad, but um, I, I'd do it again. I'd do it again. Is there any, in the words of my uh, grandfather, who was an immigrant, man, he ditched his uncle when he came over here and never went home. Can you imagine the uncle going home without the nephew to Italy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I lost your son in America. In America. Right, <laughs> right, in this whole big old country. Oh, and yeah. I don't know where he is or how we can yeah. communicate with him. But he ended up being a master boilermaker, lived on the south side. And mm. matter of fact, he lived in Inglewood. My mom was uh, the valedictorian of Inglewood High School, believe it or not. And uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, you never <laughs> would have dreamed that. But he, he, he always say to me, just remember, Tom, somebody who tries and fails is way better than somebody who never tries at all. Mm-hmm. Yep, and absolutely. I'm gonna, and I'm going to... But you had a, for those who don't remember, Karen ran for uh, uh, Congressional District Number 1, which Bobby Rush is leaving. You ended up with what? You were one of 17. 
right? Or yeah, 16 I came or? in. I came in third, uh, which was very respectable. Mm-hmm. I I won Will County. I was second in Cook and uh, Kankakee, and I was third in the city, which made me third overall. Uh, so yeah, I would say that it's not a surprise in Will Will County because you 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 travel. I mean, when I say you you, you travel all kinds of different races and colors and, and religions and everything. I'm not so sure some of the rest of the people did. Uh, I would agree with that. And, you know, I felt that I would do well uh, outside of the city for sure. Uh, I mean, I thought I'd do better in the city, but I certainly knew that I would do well outside of the city just in terms of relatability and, you know, uh, so many of the events I did, I'd be standing talking to somebody and just we just had things in common, you know, regardless of the fact that I, I live in the city and was raised here and, you know, I've traveled and lived all over the, the country. Um, we just had points of connection, whether it was being a mom, being a single parent, having a special needs child, having a kid about to go off to college, um, you know, the, the work that I've done uh, over my life, uh, certainly meeting with lots of teachers. Uh, so folks related to the fact that I'm a former teacher. Um, it's just, it, it was really good to be out there on the trail, to meet people, to talk about the issues. And the one thing that I did appreciate about this race is that it was an issues-oriented race. It wasn't about personality. Um, it didn't get tense between uh, the candidates until way, way, way late in the game. So uh, I really appreciated that aspect, and it, that allowed us to connect with people more. Karen, I have uh, two real questions. Well, I got a, lot, a million questions, but two of them I'm a lot at you. One is just you seem to know the math way better, but one is going to be a, a dicey one, which you don't have to answer. But I, I uh, remember, this, you're younger than me, uh, remember when uh, the Democrats got clobbered by, uh, God, who was the governor? He, Don Clark Netch was running for uh, governor, and uh, how many years ago that was? And anyway, the lady running for uh Treasurer, uh, I was I was supporting, and she ended up becoming a judge. And, and we we put together a, a booklet, uh, what she was going to do in the treasurer's spot. Nancy Drew Sheehan, I remember that name. Uh, mm-hmm. And so anyway, she lose she lost. Everybody else get everybody got swept by the Republicans. They thought she was going to win. Um, and uh, actually, she she ran against the lady who just died, the Republican who just died. She was a treasurer, and then she was a comptroller again. Mm. Tell us her name. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remember. But the, uh, Are you talking about Judy Bartopinka? Yeah, yeah. She ran against Judy Bartopinka. And uh, she, mm-hmm. she barely lost. And, we, you know, we go to the, the victory party, which turned out to be the victory wake, right, or the loser's wake. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> and the, the guy who was the uh, campaign manager, also named Tom, like me, says, Tom, do you have any idea about these, these crazy elections? And I go, well, what do you mean, probably? And he goes, what do you say, like 40% of the people aren't even, aren't even registered. So you got 60% registered. And, uh, and like 30% of those guys in a good election show up. So, so you're down to 18% of the population, and you lose by like 1% of those people. <laughs> because because the, the numbers are, are horrible. I mean, just about who actually and what little bit, you know, can take to turn it down. Yours, how does it, how many, could you take us through how many, how many voters are registered in the district? How many are not registered? How many voted? And you got 17 people. I mean, what a mess. Yeah, it, I mean, listen, the voter turnout was ridiculous. So 11%, I think it was as much as like 18, no, it wasn't 18, it was like 12 or 13% in, in one of the counties. 
um, it was just awful. Now, apparently, history tells us that when you don't have the big top-of-the-ticket race, um, you know, when there's no presidential race going on, um, that, you know, the turnout is a little lower and that you'll see an increase in November. Mm. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, I, I actually was mulling around an op-ed in my head on this time. I was just thinking about voter apathy. And my thought was, what are we not doing as a party to engage people? Uh, are people that cynical that they just don't care? Um, or were folks so focused on their own challenges in the midst of the runaway inflation that we saw um, earlier this summer that, you know, I think continues now? But um, were people so focused on their own issues? Was it that it was the end of June and folks were out of town or just not thinking about going out to vote? You know, I think there were multiple factors, but I do think that you can't ignore the responsibility of the party to make sure that people are energized and, and care about the issues and that, um, that we're presenting candidates that are compelling and that we are talking about the issues that are compelling. Um, the beauty of having you on is every time you say something, I got about five more questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just covered a massive amount. I get. I'll, I'll dig into your conspiracy side. I know it's there somewhere. When you have, you know, mayoral. I try and allay that. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. But <laughs> when you have, let's say, mayoral elections totally separate from the other stuff. When you have, uh, I remember when uh, John's wife was running for judge. It was on St. Patrick's Day. I mean, do, do, do we do this on purpose? I mean, clearly, like they do, I and mean, I'm not big on what the French do, but aren't there elections held on a Sunday? Why, why can't we have a, an election that is Saturday and Sunday when everybody can get, I mean, if we really wanted to get people out there, when I say we, uh, you know, we, we, we could do a better job. I mean, you go back to the city back in the old days when, you know, Richard Jay, who I actually thought was a pretty good mayor, I mean, you want all your precinct captains, you want people swooping your voters in on a Tuesday when it's a blizzard outside, really. Mm-hmm, I, mean, mm-hmm. I, mean that, I mean, if you want... Right. If you, I mean, there's... I mean, it, so, there's should we finally say enough of that and, and just make it as convenient as possible? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I Listen, we all know that the Chicago races were moved to Tuesday in February because <laughs> that way... Only the, the really brave, uh, warm, and well-nourished <laughs> and well-clothed <laughs> people are going to head out, right? Right. One of the folks who are really, really, really committed and convicted about, um, about exercising their right are going to head to the polls, or the ones who have been cajoled by the local precinct captain. I think that infrastructure is missing in the majority of places. Hey, wait a minute. Can I, can I use that word, cajoled? Uh, I love that. Mm. I love what, that. What, can, I, can I use that word, cajoled? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, and, and, and I, I say that seriously because I remember when I was younger, my mom would tell me about um, her experience with Election Day. So my mom was one of seven, and wow. my grandmother was um, not quite wheelchair-bound, but by the age of 40, my grandmother had severe 
rheumatoid arthritis uh, to the uh. point where, you know, like her hands were deformed. And so um, the precinct captain would come around. They lived on the west side. The precinct captain would come around, and they would tell the folks who to vote for. And my mom vividly remembered that my grandmother would be picked up. She'd be taken to the polling place. Then the precinct captain would go in the polling booth with them and would point to which levers to pull, like would tell her who to vote for. Hmm. And then afterwards, she'd be rewarded with a turkey for the family and pantyhose. And so my mom told me this stuff, and I thought it was ridiculous. Hmm. And then when I became a lobbyist back in 2000, one of the things that the, um, that my partners had me do was to read a lot about the Chicago, not just Chicago, but the Illinois political process. And one of the things they had me read was Boss by Mike Royko. Wow, yeah. Oh, great, great it, book. Royko yeah. describes this whole thing about wow. giving turkeys and hams to the women on the west side and giving them pantyhose and going into the booth and pulling a lever, and, you know, pointing to the lever for them to pull. And I was like, Mom, Mom! <laughs> Well, I uh, that was a great book, by the way. That made him some yeah, money. Yeah. He never made any money as a as a uh, uh, as a writer. If it wasn't if it wasn't for that book. That's where he ended up making some money. Um, he actually was able to get mm-hmm. places in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and everything else. He was a character, that guy. But he boy, he knew his stuff. Uh, you know, his son is running for, uh, yeah. for alderman. Now, do you? I'm going to ask. I'll ask you. Don't, I'm not leading the witness here. Does he get a job today? Uh, who? Mike Mike? Rico. Oh golly! I mean, sure. There's lots of folks, you know, of his of his ilk out there. Um, you know, I think he's. I thought he was fascinating, but yeah, I think today, particularly given how polarizing uh, American politics are right now, sure, there's a space for him. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna, um, I'm, I'm rephrase not sure the, I answered your original question. No, re- I'm gonna rephrase the question: Would he would he get a job at what we would consider a major newspaper? being as controversial as he was. Uh, John Cass had a job at a major newspaper. John Cass was And now he's bounced. Yeah, now he's out. What is it? Now he's out. Right. I mean, he's out now, but he was here for for a long time. I mean, I I just think, I think somebody like Royco paved the way for a lot of uh, folks who exist today who, um, you know, whether we like them or not, um, rightly or wrongly, um, you know, who speak their minds yep. sort of unfettered. At least Royko was a true journalist and actually did research and checked the sources, unlike a lot of the stuff that passes as journalism today. Well, I, uh, what, you, what you said earlier about people being uh, disparaged by the system or feel that they are, um, I, uh, somehow or another there is, I mean, I have, I've had you on, I've had, I, I told you I had Keith Pico on, and a nice mm-hmm. guy, and he, the difference between the both of you, or what they say in the South Side, the both of you, uh, the, the, the difference between you guys and, and people's perspective, what they see on TV, is night and day. I mean, anybody who meets either one of you has, has a confidence in government going forward, yet, boy, you, you see what's happening, and, and, and nobody has. I mean, I don't know, somehow or another, and I, we were, in fact, I was at a local emporium, and we were arguing the other night about term limits and getting people out of Congress. And I was mentioning, from what I see, uh, and I could be wrong, so I'm asking you, there's, there's all kinds of really good people that enter the 
the House of Representatives, I don't know about senators, but ev- like every two years. And, mm-hmm. and they, the, the turnover at the lower end is higher than it's ever been, I believe. And I went to one of those, uh, the Jewish things, the, uh, what's, what's their PAC, the American-Israeli, APEC? The American oh, Israel. APAC. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's several Jewish-Israeli-focused uh, packs, but APAC, yeah. So I went, and the guy, the guy was talking about the turnover in the lower end is dramatic. People come in for one term, two terms, say the hell with it, they want any part of it, they're not getting anywhere, can't accomplish anything, and they're gone. It seems like there's like a, a three- or four-term almost, well, you know, river, like the Rubicon or something, <laughs> where you either decide I'm into the mess taking all the money and jumping over the river or I get the hell out. It, there's People get the idea that you're your regular person. Once you get them there, they, he or she can't do anything. And somehow or another, this is all coming down from someplace. And I think I think that's part of it, Karen. I'm not sure. That's just, just my read from the guests I have. So, so I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that is one view. Um, I, I think that part of that turnover, it's not necessarily just about people who get in and then don't want it anymore. Look at Brad Schneider, for example. Um, Brad got in, he beat an incumbent, then that person came back, uh, beat him after that, then he won, you know, won his seat back like two times. I think he's now in his third third term since that. I could be wrong, but at least second. Um, and so, you know, there's a battle for these seats as well. You don't know what was happening on the ground with some of the local politics in any of those places. Typically, once you're an incumbent, you know, incumbency can be very difficult to beat. And, you know, once you're there, you get the support of, you know, a variety of lobbyists, depending on what side you're, you're on, what side of the issues you're on. You also have the support of the party, typically, unless you've done something that royally piss them off. So... You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't hold the view that it's that stark. I think that there are a lot of variables. Um, but I do think there are those who get there and get frustrated. I am reminded of something that Lauren Underwood said to me that, that actually um, came to her from, from some others, um, where she said, look, you have to pick what type of legislator you're going to be. And... Um, she had three categories. You could be a communicator, um, you know, the person who's a talking head on television is always, you know, talking about these issues and being interviewed on, on major networks. You can be the person who's only focused on bringing money back for your for your district, uh, or you can be the one who's really roll up your sleeves and is really trying to pass bills and get, get legislation passed. And I said, well, it, it strikes me that you have to be a smattering of, of all of those. And she said, yeah, but you're going to have to choose. And one, what you choose may not be what resonates with your district. Um, that, well, that's probably true. But how do you, how would you even know, I suppose you would have gotten a few more votes and you're in, given the low vote total, how do, how do, you, even, how do you even know what, what people are expecting of you other than just be yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is incumbent upon any office holder to have a deep connection with their community. And I think it requires a level of engagement that I, I don't think most people have the vision or, or um, I don't know, gumption for. Um, it, it's not just going around shaking hands. I was at some events and I was 
telling someone my vision for how I would engage uh, with with a constituency, and uh, I will not say the person's name, but a well-known uh, incumbent said to me, you don't have to do all that, just show up. He's like, show up, be at these events, show your face, let people see you, let people touch you. And I was like, yeah, but that's not enough. Like, I would want to do more than that. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that there's a regular newsletter. You want to make sure that you are not only at those events shaking hands, but communicating what's actually happening. People don't have faith because they don't see the evidence of action. Well, I think, it, like you say, I think needs to be, in one man's opinion, need to just let people know even what's, they have no way of knowing what's going on in Congress. At least, even yeah. to just say what you're working on is is a yes. is a plus. Yes. You know, these are yes. what I'm on this committee, and this is what we're doing right now. Because obviously, these people on these committees do a hell of a lot of work that nobody knows anything about, probably. And it's a lot of work. I mean, and, and what most most folks don't know is that when they're voting on on bills, their voting happens at night. Like the days that they keep, the hours they keep. When they are in session, they're incredibly long days, incredibly long. Yeah, I don't want the. Uh, it's you know, I, I don't know. I you get flashes back and forth. Like you can even tell by me asking questions. On one hand, you're you're, you're negative about something. On me, you're negative, and then you're positive. You see how hard people have to work, and yet you see these these bills come out, and and somehow they just leave a a, a raw taste to where. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm seeing, because I'm trying to ask you a little bit more about politics going forward, is these idea where these bills are like naming industries, and and you know these are people mm-hmm. getting money, and these people aren't. And I just have to believe these these lobbyists got to be like flies around the place, where some people are in there, some people aren't. Even you read the bills on the uh, uh, some of the stuff that happened during COVID, the uh, Employee Retention Act, and the pe- if you actually read the stuff, you're sitting there going. Some restaurant lobbyists wrote this thing. <laughs> it had to be I mean, every, every well, example. Well, it, it's, a, it's a mashup, right? Because um, you might have some lobbyists who write some stuff. You've got the staffers for the various committees. You've got uh, the Congress people who have an idea because somebody locally came to them and exposed a problem that they may not have known about, and so they want to try and come up with a solution for it. So you've got a, a input from a, a number of different um, interested parties, uh, some who may not have the same motivations as others, right? Like, um, and, and so ultimately what you get is sort of a, a stew of all of those different things. Um, and then you've got the internal lobbying to actually make sure that your piece survives. Well, that's right. I mean, I, it, it, it is always interesting that, you know, if you have a you know, Republican or whoever controls the place, all the votes now seem to be all Republican, all Democrat, which to me is kind of crazy. But Bad. but the uh, the fact is, the Republican guys they got a lot of chunk of change out of this bill. And if it went the other way, the Dem- mm-hmm. it's not like you're not getting anything. But you're not you're not feathering each other's nests all along the way, right? It's not like a Republican guy gets shut out. I don't think. No, I I agree, I agree. Which is also fascinating to me how people are so willing to be so loyal to the party that. Sometimes they vote against their own interests. Like that—that that part has never made any sense to me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't get. I mean, out of all this, this last bill, there had to be somebody on both sides. Either, either some Democrats that thought the bill was lousy, or some Dem- Republicans thought it was decent. The idea it comes down to a fifty-fifty vote. I, 
I don't know. It just it, I, th- I think it ruins. I, I would I, first of all, I would never think that they were going to tell you some of the phone calls going to come from Nancy saying you got to vote with me on this one or else. I don't see you doing that. I don't see Keith doing that. I mean, uh, and yet somehow everybody falls in the line. It just and that's what I think that's what would nail on a lot of people. And I don't know how I don't know how uh, we change that. Well, you're gonna you're gonna give us all the solutions after the break. By the way, how we're, how we're gonna change all this <laughs> stuff? Um, SB futures up 14. Nasdaq futures up 93. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks, jocks, jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lone Wolf Bay Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Byrne on the board, and we have Ms. Ms. Karen Norrington-Reeves as a special guest today, and I'm enjoying that huge. Can't wait to get back to it. But i got to get some traffic, weather, sports, and we got to get the market. Mm-hmm. SP Futures up 12, NASDAQ Futures up 85. Uh, we're trying to bounce back today. Not as much of a bounce as yesterday, but maybe this one will hold. Yesterday's did not. Dow Futures are up 55. Individual stocks in the Dow, uh, nothing really moving. And i got the Caterpillar down 94 cents. Microsoft up a buck and a half. But some mostly green, a couple of reds, nothing major. Uh, over in Europe, we've got DAX down 20.1%, kind of quiet over, except for the FTSE. Down 86, 1.2%. That might have something to do with the uh, 
the, the big pipeline being turned off over there for allegedly maintenance uh, for three days. We'll see how that works out. As everybody's trying their best to store gas for the coming winter, which might be a cold one uh, without much gas over there, natural gas I'm talking about. Kek around down 33, that's 0.6%. Over in Asia, um, not much going on here. Nikkei down 104.4%. Shanghai down 25.8%. Hang Seng up 5, trying to make it back to 20,000, but couldn't do it. 19,954. Uh, yesterday is a way of review. Again, we did the show yesterday morning. The futures were up 35 points. S&P, they closed down 44. Dow down 308. NASDAQ down 134. So much for that bounce. Uh, bonds, unchanged at 3.12. 10-year rate. Bund unchanged 1.51. Japan unchanged 0.23. So the uh, bond market's pretty slow here. Oil, however, whack-whack. Down 241. It's 2.6%. Under 90. 89.23. Brent down 331. 333. 3.3 percent at 96 bucks. Natural gas up a penny to 906. Arbob down nine cents, 260. So if you go buy a place that's like five hours, you wonder why that spreads a little high. Uh, gold down 13 bucks, 17.23. Trying to test the lows were like 1700. Hopefully it doesn't go down that far, but it might. Silver down 37 cents, 17.91 under 18 bucks. Copper down eight cents, 343. We've got Bitcoin up 255, so back over 20,000 at. 20,216. That's closely watched because of all the alleged margin problems will be if it goes much below 20. We have the U.S. dollar uh, 0.9988, so virtually parity with the euro dollar. The pound is one that's down here, 1.16. Uh, that's real low for the pound, so I, I guess we could run over to, uh, to Europe and buy some beers cheaper, but that's about where we are. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports, man? He's somewhere over there. I'm over here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah good morning, everyone. Sorry for the delay, for the delay there. Uh, currently 7.35 a.m. on Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. In sports, uh, MLB yesterday, Cubs at Blue Jays. Uh, Cubs lose 5-3. White Sox home with Kansas City. Royals. Royals win 9-7. Uh, finally, Diamondbacks win big against Phillies 12-3. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently, clear skies, 62 degrees, a high of 87, and a low of 61. In Phoenix, clear skies as well. 90 degrees currently, a high of 111, and a low of 87. Now for the, the big order today, traffic. Uh, lots of it today. Heavy traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to downtown. Heavy traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Holman Avenue to 1st Avenue. Uh, over on the Kennedy, uh, eastbound on the Kennedy, heavy traffic as well uh, between Cumberland Avenue to downtown. Uh, heavy traffic uh, westbound on the Kennedy between downtown to North Nagel Avenue. On the Edens, uh, spreads there as well. Uh, eastbound uh, between West Dempster Street to the ramp at I-90. Uh, heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between East 130th Street. Yeah, it goes that far uh, to the Jane Burton Interchange downtown. Uh, traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 to South Kedzie Avenue. And finally, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between ramp at I-55 to Ur Randolph Street. So I got Chief. Back to you guys. Um, Karen, uh, uh, welcome back. Uh, the we see, we, we've talked, we've danced around the uh, the idea that people are seemingly all pissed off at government on every level. Now, whether or not government is just a reflection of, of who we are, which that could very well be, uh, it, se- it seems like the consensus is everything is kind of bleeped up. And yet, there's people that are part of the solution and not part of the problem. And I, I uh, include you in that group. If... If you were, if you, if they put you in whatever spot you wanted to be, mayor, governor, president, mm-hmm. what, what would you, what would you do first to get? I mean, it seems to me I, I recognize all on the money side I'm pretty good at. The other stuff you know way more than me. 
On the money side, I see I see things as a total mess right now. I'm not so sure I would be able to tell you the first three things I do to get things straightened out. I mean, seeing something messed up and fixing it are two different things. Yeah, and I, I, I think I'm not sure that I have a concrete answer for you. I will say, um, first of all, thank you for your confidence in me. I, I believe that I would be one of the good guys. Um, I, I think first we actually have to recognize the fact that change takes time. Um, one of the things that I was saying to people during the campaign was, you know, change can either be like water on a rock, you know, just dripping over time that changes the shape of that rock, or it can come rushing through like a flood and sweep out the whole canyon. And either way, we have to have people there who are willing to be the water. Um, whether you're making that slow, gradual, incremental change, or you're coming and making sweeping changes, it's got to be focused on what's best and right for the people. I do think from a, a, you know, a fiscal perspective, we've got a lot of inequity in our country. We've got a lot of people who are suffering, um, and we've got to figure out ways that allow folks to really thrive and not just scrape by. Um, and, and, and we've got to do that in a way that doesn't feel like everything is a zero-sum game. I think part of why we are where we are is because it's always been this notion that in order for me to get, you have to lose. And I don't think that's true. Um, I think it's... Go ahead. I'm going to say... I'm going I'm to show my age here. When, uh, when, when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, you had a general increase in, in GDP, a real one, not a fake one, based on you know more dollars in the system every year, and everybody seemed to be able to move forward together. And if, if, if somebody had a 5% better year and you only had three, people could usually identify, well, gee, well, Matt Byrne works on Saturday. I play golf on Saturday. He should be doing a little bit better. I mean, there was, there was a guy, you know, there was somebody who took some risk at his own business versus just had a job. You could sort of always identify people who did a little bit better than you, but by and large, everybody was doing a little bit better every year, no matter what color you were, no matter where you lived. There was some general advance going on. Now I think people really, and I'm not so sure they're wrong on this, Karen, we really haven't had much growth, I don't think, in 20 years. I mean, if you look at people's, I mean, I, don't, don't ever do this. Go to the usdebtclock.org. Don't even try it because all it's going to do, <laughs> it'll, it'll piss you off and, you, and you'll, you'll start staring at the thing every other day like I do, and I wouldn't sentence you to that. And we're talking about, Median salaries of people in, in 2000 of being 30,000, and now they're like 37. Right. There's mean, virtually no. So you do get this feeling, and it's, I'm not so sure that people are wrong, that the only, the only people that are, are gaining are, are gaining at somebody else's expense because there's not mm -hmm. enough growth for everybody. I mean, clearly you see the stuff coming out of government, and I hate to run this one. It's, a, it's almost become our economics system is becoming very fascist it's it's and i'm not talking about you know putting people on railroad cars i'm talking about an economic system where there's four you know four industries four companies in every industry with their nose firmly up the ass of government when you look at the baby formula why are there four companies and not like 20 i mean, it's, I mean if, if you're not part of the government largesse you can't compete almost and i, I don't know how we got there but we're there and now well, but but uh, but how can you say that and you've got you know, an Amazon that is a behemoth and has 
mm. you know, really dwarfed a lot of mom and pop shops unless those folks were able to actually get onto that platform and become sellers, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the to your point of, of the issue about the lack of growth for the average person, but it that also ignores the fact that we have roughly 700 people who have make more than 119 million people in that's, this country. That's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. You, you, know, you said it better than me. Yeah. Absurd. That's absurd. Um, looking at inflation, you know, the mortgage rates. I mean, I I was so excited to fill up my tank the other day, and it only cost me $58 because eight weeks ago, filling up my tank was $91. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. yay! But <laughs> 58 is still ridiculous, oh, yeah. and I'm like, I'm blessed that I can afford it, but what about the people who can't? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, there's $50 less they're, fe- they're spending somewhere else, right? Yeah. And the somewhere else is either something for the kids or food or whatever it is, right? I mean, it just, mm-hmm. that's just the economics of it. If you, even if you're rich, if you put $20 more in a tank, it's 20 less you save, right? I mean, it works for everybody. Right. But right. what, what uh, I mean, it, it's harder and harder to be an entrepreneur, I mean, we had. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, we had. When you talk about Amazon, uh, by the way, it's a personal pet peeve of mine because I, I can't believe the state of Illinois allowed people to walk into to Best Buy, look at a TV, order it on Amazon, and not pay taxes for 15 years. I mean, I can't believe we allowed that to happen, but we did, right? I mean, that's the, I mean, the major growth of Amazon is because in the first 10 years you didn't pay taxes through them, and you did other mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how how we ever allowed that to happen. We, you and I, didn't do it, but is insane to me, but but anyway, we went there. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say that in the last two and a half years with this COVID, it's the biggest spread between the haves and haves nots I've ever seen, and it's I never absolutely. read about absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of folks profited off of oh, yeah. the pandemic. Um, I mean, over a million people died in this country. Mm. I, you know, I am so. When you look at the numbers, it's sobering if you really dig deep. Um, so obviously my space has been the area of workforce development. So looking at not just the jobs that were lost, but who lost those jobs and in what industries. But then the corollary of who profited, uh, it's just horrifying to me that so many folks profited off of real tragedy. Of that million people who lost their lives, there's hundreds of thousands of children who lost at least one parent. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, there's just so much, and we're acting as though we're just over it, and, you know, we're in such this uh, rush to get back to quote-unquote normal. Um, But there was a lot of devastation that happened to our economy that many folks have not recovered from. You look at the restaurant industry, and so many, you talk about the entrepreneurs, so many people were not able, their businesses were not able to survive that downturn. And they're still trying to figure out what's next. Well, that's right. And, and if you look at the, um, well, we could, we could talk about COVID for a week, but uh, the amount of deaths actually were almost worse the year after because of people that had care they didn't get or didn't go to the doctor or whatever. I mean, the... One of our guys who comes yeah. on the show is a. Uh, I don't know where he gets his self. I don't want to ask him, Karen, because I don't want to start looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> it has to do with uh, uh, actuarially the amount of people that are like uh-huh. predict, predicted to die. 
versus the people that did. I think during the actual first year of COVID, that number, when I use the term, wasn't too bad. The next year was horrible. Oh, I, I have I have no doubt, and, and I saw it happen in my own family. Uh, in my own family, we had... Um, I, and, and let me let me say this, though. I also have a background in health law. Uh, I truly believe that because the hospitals were overrun and uh, beyond capacity, and they started telling people, you know, don't come unless you got these symptoms, right? Mm. If folks were not sort of gravely ill, they were asked to stay home and to work with their their medical home, their health care provider. Um, first of all, it presumes that everybody has a medical home, and a lot of people don't. Um, but secondly, people who had illnesses that either they knew about or that were invisible to them suffered for a long period of time before actually getting medical care. And so a lot of those people showed up at hospitals, showed up at their doctors in critical stages and couldn't come back from that. So, you know, my, my former mother-in-law um, did not get a lot of care during COVID, and by the time she was hospitalized in last December, she was in stage four, and, you know, if cancer had metastasized, and, um, and she, she died within two weeks. Oh. Um, I had another relative, went without care during the pandemic, had a horrible stomach pain, goes in, got cancer all throughout her body was gone within within a month. Um, Karen, people, I don't know if it's the press, I don't know who's supposed to be given these kinds of reports, but the, 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 the word on the COVID, if you listen to the people you're supposed to be listening to, I guess on TV or radio, every hospital was jammed, can't get in, people are on ventilators, they're in the hallways, yet isn't the truth, and, and agree with me or tell me I'm wrong, isn't the truth that other than the hospitality industry, more people got laid off in the medical industry during the COVID than any other industry? Hmm. Every other every other elective stuff, all the cancer people, all the heart, uh, anything that would be uh, what do you call them, regular maintenance. You know, if you had if you had a heart problem, you waited six months before you went in, and then they couldn't fix it. It's just like you're talking about. Those people yeah, were all, they I, were all laid I'm off. Not, I'm not sure that that's true. Um, that that they were necessarily laid off. What what happened was a lot of people were pivoted and. Um, put into action in other areas that may have been outside of their their expertise. A lot of yeah, a lot of them declined. But I'm saying we we can kind of argue about it. one of my buddies at the local bar. How, how can I say that to a <laughs> high end? Anyway, mm-hmm. he's a serious hand surgeon. I don't think he did anything for like a year and a half. And his whole yeah. wing, there were there were whole parts of. I actually, unfortunately, had to be had to go into hospitals a couple times in, during the COVID or just for tests. Apparently, there's nobody there. Other than like the the COVID area, the place is empty. I mean, it was it was the I weirdest. Mean, you're talking about the for elective procedures, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, getting getting a lump out of your breast is not exactly elective because a year later you might be all over the place with cancer, like you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it you know it was a there was a lot that that happened that I think we should be applauded for um, given the circumstances and but there was a lot that can be learned um, that we can do some things differently the next time around because there will be a next time uh, prayerfully not in our lifetime but there'll be a next time 
Well, yeah. The uh, mm-hmm. well, in terms of solutions, I mean, we have this. this the city mayoral election looks like it's going to be. A, I don't even know what you something out of the old west, wouldn't you say? I don't even know well, how to describe don't it. Don't get me in trouble here. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get in trouble. I said, but it, it it looks like. I mean, I, I guess when they decided to have anybody in the world can run for mayor, it's maybe a good idea. It's actually, actually the way I, my well, my my late adolescence and stuff. We were never going to park. And that's the way some of the suburban, you know, it's more than I do, but that's the way a lot of the mm-hmm. suburbans have been for a while. You don't really run as a Democrat or Republican. You just you just run, right? And, right. and Chicago changed into that 15 years ago, 10 years ago. It, was, it wasn't always like that. It was way back it was a Democrat. It's versus been a while. It's I been mean, a while. It's, been, it's been a long while. But here's the thing. I don't think it's, I mean, yes, anybody can run, but it's really anybody can run who can get 12,500 signatures. Well, that's so true. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's the first hurdle. Um, well, what's your question to me? Well, I guess when, it, when the, the lady who's, who's currently mayor won't say good or bad, uh, but I will say that when in in the run in the, in the first election, it's kind of like what you just went through. Um, she got ninety thousand votes. Well, for God's sake, there's three million people here. How, how can mm-hmm. how could the person who's mayor only get ninety thousand votes? I mean, that's, talk about a a small group of people putting somebody in there. Now, obviously, in the runoff. Yeah. The runoff was a lot, you know, it was a lot more people, but that's weird. I mean, it, it just. But at least there was a runoff. Yeah. Here's my, you know, at least there was a runoff. I mean, I, I just, I, I become a fan of ranked choice voting more and more and more. Um, I, you know, I think I'll say this. You didn't ask me, but this is my unsolicited. Go right comment. ahead. Go right ahead. Uh, you know, when she ran, Lori Lightfoot, let's call her name. Um, uh, when Mayor Lightfoot ran, I think she told me there were like 21 people who had declared net race, and um, I think it was ultimately 13 or 14 left on the ballot. Um, and then, you know, as you know, she got, got into the runoff. Um, I think that there are so many people lining up to run that there's going to be a ton of folks who circulate petitions um, not all of them are going to make it onto the ballot some of those are going to have challenges and that'll winnow it down a little bit um, but you know I think it's very difficult to beat an incumbent even a, an unpopular one as we saw uh, with Rom um, and I think that I, I just think it's going to be a real challenge uh, for her to be unseated I'm just looking at the numbers I'm not you know playing favorites anyway I just think it'll be a real challenge by the way uh, don't act like we don't agree on that I've had I got several bets out that says she's the top vote getter in the first one yeah hmm. even if even if even if people allegedly don't like her I mean uh, right I think if we spread the peanut butter too thin you know it, you, you cannot make the sandwich this is hmm. the bottom line hmm. and I think having so many people in the pool doesn't necessarily help um, it just, I think it gives voters, uh, I, I just think it dilutes the, the vote and the, the power of the vote. Well, plus, this is, you, you started off earlier talking about your, your grandmother truthfully getting the turkey. This is, mm-hmm. this is Illinois. I mean, if, I, if I'm running, I, I would say I would ever do this, but if I'm running against a, a competent black person, the first thing I'm going to do is, is find another black person to run so there's three of us. And if you're a competent black person running against a white guy, you're going to find another white guy, right? I mean, that's Illinois. 
but it, or my word. Yeah, or, but I mean, <laughs> look at the look at the race in the first congressional district. Over, you know, uh, almost everybody was was, yeah. was black. So that that just, and you know, and it wasn't because people necessarily found somebody. It was just lots of folks wanted to run for an open seat. Uh, and so I think we're going to have a lot of that in, for the mayoral race. Do you think the job's doable? <laughs> so I, I don't know if you if you know this, but I was a dual appointee of both the mayor and the, the county board president. So first it was Rahm and Tony, and now then it was Lori and, and, and As Tony. You know, and, and I'm not trying I, to throw, talk trees in here. I'm just asking questions that I think you're willing to answer. No, no. So I'm t- I, I, I actually told the mayor to her face that she had a... Um, a bleep job, and in my house we say sugar honey iced tea. Yeah. Uh, so I told her she had a sugar honey iced tea job, and um, and she she laughed, you know, <laughs> um, because I think it is, I think it's very hard. Um, I think again in in the climate that we're in, where everything is so incredibly polarizing, um, I think it's really tough to do, and I think it's tough to do in the face of a pandemic and an economic downturn and you know a national increase in violence we think it's only here in chicago it is across the country um i think it is difficult to do with a bunch of difficult issues that doesn't mean that you don't put yourself out there and do it anyway but i think it's a really 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 rough job and a rough job that has um become rougher in the past 20 years i would i would agree 100 percent. i don't I don't know if she's getting much help from uh, the state's attorney. I don't know, at least perceptually. I, mean, I don't know if she's getting much help from anybody. And it's because uh, the, the people I know who, so, I don't know, like you do, but said she's actually pretty law and order. Wasn't, wasn't she a state's attorney? Uh, she was a prosecutor. Yeah, so I mean, a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, not, not, yeah I think, but I think she was, I think she was a, a federal prosecutor for a little while. Okay. But I mean, it's, I, I don't even, it's another place. I don't, I don't know where you start. I, I go through areas where, you know, essentially we used to live. You can't be losing 80,000 black people a decade, for God's sake. I mean, you can't do that. You got to, I mean, how do, how do we turn that bus around? I mean, we're, we're, I asked you earlier, where, where would you even start? I mean, it's got to be, you know. I, well, it's got, listen, it's got to be with economic development, and the root of that is jobs. And it's got to be quality jobs that allow people to have income that, that enables them to thrive. Where you're mm-hmm. not just scraping by, working two and three jobs, trying to just, you know, put a dent in it, right? Um, We've got to shift, and that for me also happens at an educational level way earlier than than we're giving our kids exposure to career opportunities way earlier now than we're giving them uh, opportunities for hands-on internships. Our, Our education system is about checking a lot of boxes and making sure that we're complying with a lot of different standards. Um, but we are not teaching our children to, all of our children, um, we're not teaching all of them who they are and what their strengths are, what their contributions can be out, out in the world. It's just, um, you know, we have so much inequity and so many struggles. Um, but, you know, we've got to build an economic base that allows for greater equity and access to thriving jobs. Karen, how do we? How did we ever? One of my, uh, well, he's up there now, but one of my cousins uh, went to went to Tilden Tech back in the day. 
a long, long time ago. And he said the amount of training that went on there, they even had a aircraft engine in one of the garages where you could learn to be an aircraft mm-hmm. engine mechanic. And now my, my nephew, more than you need to know, he's in the, he does machinery stuff. And he says all of a sudden, I don't know if it's part of the China thing, whatever it is, but all these machine shops now have nothing but business. And they can't find anybody that, that is training for that or whatever. Now, Kevin, who's on before you, he's uh, works for with DeVry Tech. Who I, he, I think you told me before you work with those people in Indiana. He said they have, mm-hmm. they have essentially courses for all that stuff. I mean, there needs yep. to be, and, he, and he's trying to drive that where people can start taking one or two years of that in the high schools to where you come out you yeah. can actually and we're talking jobs that are paying 30 35 50 bucks an hour we're not talking about you know right you know, and uh i i would love to see way more of that coordination that if, if i were to if i were to be able to appoint somebody somewhere that's the job i'd put you in to, to mm-hmm. coordinate all that stuff because i have a feeling that's where your heart is and well I, I mean it's the work i've done for the past decade plus you know 11 and a half years it has been my heart i love watching people see their own success right watching them um either fulfill their own dreams or realize that they have a new dream and and that there is a a path forward for them um the challenge is we have siloed systems that, that do not coordinate you hit the nail on the head the other piece is we as a nation made the decision that everybody had to go to college and that we were going to create this college for all attitude that, you know, all the high school names changed to college prep, right? And the reality is we closed down vocational education. We devalued it. We turned our nose up at it. And we decided it was only for those kids, Mm. right? Yeah. And so... We have not, you know, I think every generation wants something, quote-unquote, better for their kids. And so a lot of these guys who worked in manufacturing, who, um, you know, were at the Ford plants, who were, um, you know, building the things that, that make our nation run, a lot of those folks decided that it was hard life and they wanted something better for their kids you know you're going to go to school you're going to go be a doctor you're going to go be a lawyer we can't all be doctors and lawyers not say that as a lawyer um and and we don't all need to be um there's so much out there to explore whether it's in it or art or music Mm -hmm. or culinary arts or in in retail or manufacturing there's so much that you can do that puts your gifts and skills to use and that compensates you in a way that allows you to really live a good life. And we are not doing enough to give our young people that exposure. We're not doing enough to create those talent pipelines that actually will keep those plants alive. And we're not doing enough to tell people that, hey, this exists and it won't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. Karen, we're going to have to dash here, but I, um, every time I talk to you, I got more questions than when we started. Uh, I would love to have you back. I wouldn't mind having Kevin on kind of with you, talk about what they're doing over there and how um, you know, how they're trying to shove it down into the high schools, which I think is a good You might yeah. actually get a year's worth of uh, junior college while you're still in high school. 
to cut the whole thing yeah. back a year and stuff. Anyway, I loved having you. Get your get your uh, few weeks rest you need, but then we need you. We need you yeah. back on the front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was well, great I intend to be back out there soon. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the summer, and we'll have you back. Uh, SP Futures up 18. NASDAQ Futures up 100. And we're looking like we're putting the whip to it here a little bit. Maybe we'll actually be having an update. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.